since it is the time that we think about the Lord's coming to this earth, I'd like to uh, read uh, from John chapter 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Perhaps not a traditional Christmas passage, but it speaks in some ways of the beginning before the beginning, even goes further back than the very first verse of the Bible. We read that it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed. On his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I've read the first 14 verses. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning to have before us another opportunity to gather together. And perhaps we are not able to fully comprehend how precious this privilege is that we can come from so many different places, travel here, and have no concerns whatsoever, be able to gather freely without fear, without any apprehension, Lord, that what we are doing would be interpreted by the world to be something that would be negative and that would have a negative impact in society and that we should be labeled as such and Father, we, we recognize that the world is changing so fast and that perhaps one day we will see how privileged we were in these days to come together as we do today. For today, Father, we ask thee to bless our time. We pray, Father, that the, the promise given to us where two or three are gathered together in thy name, that thou would be in their midst, that very promise we, we claim before thee this day. We pray for thy spirit to be moving freely among thy children and also among those who are here, perhaps for a few first or second time, 
who may not know thee, Lord, the way we know thee, and who, who may not understand fully and have a, a grasp of who thou art and what thy word means and why it is so precious and why they have a need, Father, that thou can fulfill. And so we pray, Father, that thy spirit, which we know, he is able to open our eyes and to speak to our heart. We pray, Father, that that same spirit would speak to all of us today. Whatever our needs be, if we are unclear and if we don't have clarity as to who thou art and what our purpose is and what thy will is for us, that every man should seek thee and should repent of their sins and come to thee and to have that communion that thou so greatly desires of man. We pray, Father, that that simple message and that clarity may be known to us and to all that are present this morning. And not only to us, Father, but all those who hear, who hear and are exposed to thy word today across the face of this earth, where thy word is preached by those who fear thee and love thee and worship thee in truth and in spirit. And so we pray, Father, speak to us, be with the children downstairs who are once again exposed to thy word at a tender age, that in due time, Lord, as they grow up and as they begin to experience life for themselves and as they begin to exercise their own self-will and the judgment of this world where they can, for themselves, determine what is right and wrong, that they may remember, that they may have that foundation of truth that they can use as a basis to decide what really is truth, what is true in their life and what is, what is the purpose of being and that there is a living God. Father in heaven, we ask thee, therefore, be with us this day. Bless us abundantly. May thy word have free course in our brother, thy servant. May he be strengthened to be able to proclaim thy truth. May he be able to step aside and allow thy spirit to work in him. This we ask of thee in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a time of year where there's still a vestige of Christianity. That society is acknowledges. It is under attack in many ways, and we won't take the times to enumerate how this has been eroded and obliterated and distracted from and relabeled and and water down, etc. But let us, since we are here, since we have taken the time to come and quietness and to, to consider the true message, the true meaning of what happened, where other than unlike many other Worldviews, because even if you're an atheist, you have a worldview, you have to answer the fundamental questions of who you are and how you got here and what's right and wrong and what the purpose of life is. And all other systems of thought, they're, they're produced in, in a man's mind. Someone came up with some ideas. Perhaps they were meditating, sitting under a tree. They were, they were thinking and they came up with something. Or maybe a man inspired people by 
what he accomplished. And people followed his thinking, or he claimed to have heard something, was claimed to have heard some truth through some supernatural means that he, he, he is now uh, passing on to others. But we have this unique privilege, the unique thing about Christianity, the unique thing that, that we're actually celebrating, it's, it's not about presence or anything like that, is that, that God, the eternal, spiritual, unlimited God who was from the beginning, who was without beginning, actually entered time and space. No one else has that. That God himself shows up, comes into our domain, and takes on the form of man and communicates in a way we cannot fail to understand. Not only does he communicate truth, because he is the word, the expression, the logos, the communication of propositional truth to us that we can understand what is right and what is wrong, what is true, what is false, what really happened, who we are, what is the right way to live. God came in and, and, and made a way, explained the way. He was the way, the truth, and the life. But he not only communicated truth, he made that way by expressing love. Not only in, in, in solving problems and healing and, and raising from the dead, but in being willing to die for us to pay the, the debt we could not pay. Now, there are many who, who, who struggle with that, who struggle with why would God, how could God actually reduce himself to become a, 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 in the form of a mortal man, to actually become a man, because he, he became flesh. We read here that the word was made flesh. The one who was from the beginning, who was not only with God from the beginning, but actually was God. The one who actually was the creator. Because we read in the beginning, Elohim, that let us create, let us make man in our image. That he was there and he was one and without him was nothing made that was made. He was the life in the light. And yet he, he reduces himself to take on, to be in one place at one time in a body that suffers cold and, 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 and hunger and weakness and, and, and does not see all, does not understand all. From omniscience to, to that limited state. 
And, and not only that, he takes the, the poorest. He's, he's born in, in, in a cave, in a stable, and he's, he's put into a feeding trough, and he's born to, to poor, oppressed people, and grows in that lowly state. Why? And, and for those who, who perhaps you know, struggle and say, you know, it is, this just doesn't make sense. There was a man like that. I, I don't know if it's a true story or not. I, the story's been told in multiple times. A man who was an atheist, whose wife was a Christian, and he's told her, you know, you know he was a good man, he was uh, kind and fair and, and, and helpful, but he says, I, I just don't, this, this thing about God becoming man just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I'm not going to go to church and pretend, you know, you go ahead and go to church for Christmas, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to stay home. And so as his wife took the children to, to church for Christmas, he stayed home and was sitting by the fire when he heard a thump on the window. I thought maybe someone's throwing snowballs, and he heard another one, and he went to investigate, and there were some birds that were trying to escape the, the snowstorm that was raging outside and thought that uh, this was, didn't realize that was actually glass in the way. And they were huddled there, and he felt compassion for them. He thought, you know, I've got a, a little barn for the pony, for the kids. So, you know, if I could just huddle them there, they'd have some warmth and be able to endure the, the snowstorm in relative comfort. So he put his coat and boots on and he tried to herd them, open the door, turn the light on and try to herd them into that barn. But uh, as he would approach them, they would just scatter in fear and go in different directions. And, and he thought in, in his frustrations, as if, if only I could become a bird like them and then I could lead them and show them and communicate to them. And, and at that moment, the aha came and he, he realized that's exactly what God had done for him. And he sank to his knees in the snow and, and realized that's why you came. Because we were like that, those lost, helpless birds. And you were trying to show us. And, and, and in your fear, in our fear, we, we did not understand what you were trying to tell us. There's a true story, though, that, that helps us also understand this this principle of what God is trying to do, what God did do through Jesus in Bethlehem. <clears throat> there was a man, his name was Bruce Olson. He was raised in a, a Lutheran church, and he just saw God as a judgmental God and and it wasn't until he was reading his Bible on his own that um, at 15 that he finally understood the character of God. He was reading and saw the, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as he understood that, he, he had a, a personal conversion experience. And he was changed and wanted to serve God. And so as he went to a to his the church the new church that he was going to where they they, they taught the, the the gospel about Jesus and there, a missionary came and 
The missionary um, said, you know what, I don't want you to put any money in the offering. For he was coming from New Guinea, had shown the great need of those who were lost and without hope. And he says, I, I just, I want you to be willing to give yourselves, to go yourself and to meet the need of people around the world who, who haven't heard and don't know the truth. And he was convicted to do that. And uh, as he went to various uh, mission organizations, none were willing to take him on and sponsor him. So he went all by himself. He, he went to Venezuela. And uh, he heard about this tribe they called the Modalones. And they were a very fierce uh, tribe. No one actually met them and survived. Uh, the oil men were trying to come into their territory. They're trying. There was oil there, and but they were always uh, being attacked by bows and arrows and spears. No one knew how to communicate with them. But he felt convicted that that's who God wanted him to go and to reach. So he packed up his mule and supplies and, well, I'll make a, a long story short. You can read the full story. It's called Bruchko. It's, that's what they ended up calling him because they couldn't pronounce Bruce Olson. Uh, but he was captured by them. He was shot, uh, but they took him in. And over time, he eventually learned their language. It was a very difficult tonal language. And uh, he became part of their culture. He, he made a special friendship with, uh, with one of the, uh, uh, the Indians. They called himself Body, was the named people. Modaloni was just for people of short hair in the Spanish language. But the Body, and there was Bobadi Shara, was his special friend. He just called him Bobby. It's easier for him to understand, just like they called him Bruchko. And uh, one day he was, after a number of years, when he understood their culture, their stories, they were on the trail. It was, it was interesting, their, their stories, and it's fascinating how in all people groups, there is a fu- fundamental, when you go back and you understand their stories, they, they fundamentally understand about God. And, and in this, as we said, completely no one had ever spoken their language before, completely pristine culture. Their legends of origin, they said at one time there, there, there was a God. They believed in God and they believed in evil spirits as well. And they said that one time we were with God. We were, uh, you know, in, in a place that God had created, but then a, a prophet came. He was a, a false prophet, and it was a long name. I don't have it memorized. It started with S, you know. We can think of who a false prophet that would. And he said, you know, there's a better place. Let me lead you there. And we followed him over the horizon, away from God, and we left God. And so they followed this Satan false prophet, and now, now we're suffering because we have left God. Fascinating that the parallels, how the understanding that, that matches the Genesis account of how God created us in a good place and, and through sin we've turned our backs on him. But they had a prophecy, just like we read in Genesis that the, 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 there would be the seed of the woman that would crush 
the head of the serpent, they had a prophecy that that uh, one day a tall man with yellow hair would come bringing banana leaves, uh, carrying banana leaves, and that, that would, he would sh- show them the way back to God. Now, at first, the, Mo- the Modalonis had thought that, you know, he's tall and he's got yellow hair. Maybe he's the man of the prophecy, but he didn't carry a banana stalk, so he didn't fit that part of it. So he was on the trail with his close friend, Bobby, and as uh, his bo- he, Bobby cut a banana stalk and all the leaves kind of splayed out just kind of like a book. And uh, uh, Bruce realized, you know, I have God's banana stalk here. And he pulled out his Bible and showed how it also had leaves like that. And he says, this is, this is God's markings. They, they show how to get, go on God's trail, how to come back to God. And, um, you know, that was quite a profound moment. And Bobby came back to him and says, well, uh, a couple night, night, uh, night later, says, how do, you, how do you follow God's trail? What do you, what do you have to do to, to follow? And he explained about Jesus. Oh, that's right. Uh, he, he, he told a story that was actually a story in their own set of stories and myths. They had a story very similar that there was a, a man who who saw these ants and the ants were trying to build a house and he thought he, he wanted to help the ants build a better house and so magically he was turned into an ant in order to be able to help them to build a better house and he says that's that's what God did. He sent Jesus to, to come and to show us the way because we wouldn't understand it. So he actually became a man so that we could understand and become, know how to find the way back to God. So Bobby came to him and said, so how do I do this? What do I do? How do I follow Jesus' trail to find the way back to God? And so Bruce is thinking, now how, how is he going to explain the abstract concept of faith to, to someone who, who you know, didn't live in a world of abstract concepts? And he says, well, you remember when, we first, when I first arrived and you had this festival where you, you have to stand in these hammocks high in the air and you sing your songs, and, and I, I didn't want to do that. Remember, I wanted to keep one foot on the ground. <clears throat> but he said, no, that, that doesn't work. You have to be fully suspended in that hammock in order to be able to, to uh, participate. And he says, well, that's how it is with God. You've got to, you've got to be fully suspended. You've got to, 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 to trust. You've got to be, you cannot be relying and have one foot on the ground. And uh, so Bobby came back to him after a few nights and says, you know what? I've tied my hammock strings to Jesus. And I'm fully suspended in him, and I'm following his trail, and I found a new life. A, a new language was what he said, which in, in their culture, a language meant life. And uh, it was a, quite a dramatic change in him. And uh, a few months later, there was a, 
again, one of these large festivals where all the peoples from all the villages came together. And an older chief challenged Bobby, who was the son of a chief, that to, to, to sing with him and, and this festival of the arrows. And as they sang the, the old story about how they had been led away from God by the false prophet over the horizon and lost their ways and all these bad things had happened as a result, Bobby added a new part about how, how God sent his son Jesus and how there was now a trail and a way back to him and that we could come back to God as we trusted and were fully suspended in him. And amazingly, the people understood and they responded and majority of them became Christians. In fact, I think it's something like 70% of that people group did become Christians and they were able to, to adapt to the modern life and, and still, you know, keep um, the, their integrity and not fall into many of the problems that happen when, when native groups uh, become westernized. And, and, and they're still very strong Christians to this day. So what this tells me is that God understood that we needed to, he needed to bring the truth into our context. The context of what it means to be a man. And we now have this confidence when we come to him that he understands our context. The, The word says we can come boldly to the throne of grace because he was tempted like we are. In every point, yet without sin, he understands us. And he was able to communicate to us as that poor babe grew into a a man, a man who didn't own a home, had no place to lay his head, no possessions. And yet, that man, as he explained the truth of God, as he was the truth, as he lived the truth and died it and rose again, he had such a deep impact that the greatest impact this world has ever known. It's why we say it's 2,015 years after he was born because the whole of civilization was reset by the fact that this is when God entered time and space and into our lives and made a way into our context. And now God is sending you. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And so send I you, says Jesus. You are not the light. But you live in a context with a set of relationships, with a set of people. You understand those people whose lives you touch. And you can bring the truth of God, not only in abstract words, but ways that are lived out and tested 
in the reality of relationships where things don't always go smoothly, where people are hurtful and selfish as they were to Jesus, and how we can overcome evil with good, a radical thought that no one had ever thought, much less lived. And in your context, through the power, the truth, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who is now in us, you can bring this truth and this hope and this light into a lot of dark places in this world that still do not comprehend that truth. Because as many as received him, to them gave he power. He did not send us with ideas, abstract thoughts, philosophies. He gave us power to become the sons of God. That you too are God's son and daughter. And that you can live in the freedom, born not of the will of the flesh, the will of man, but of God, a divine operation. That you too can be full of grace and truth. Why a stable? Why such ignominious, humble beginnings? Why? Why would God invade the earth as if in disguise? As if coming into an enemy-occupied territory in a subtle, surreptitious way where you and I are his secret agents trying to communicate and this is our our gathering where we can communicate this truth and go out and spread and subvert a enemy occupied world why in why in weakness why not invade in strength why not come down in power if he is god why not split the skies and let everyone see his power and be convinced of who he is. Well, we know that will happen one day. One day, the, Jesus will split the skies. One day, every eye will see him and will kneel. But when the author walks on the stage, the play is over. There is no more time to choose. In the context of, you know, the Second World War, you wouldn't think much of a Frenchman if, if he waited until the Allies were in Berlin before he says, yeah, I think I'm going to join your side. No, now is the chance. Now is the chance for us to respond, not respond to the overwhelming power and but to the actual person, unmasked, unoverawed by the power, but to the actual grace and truth of who Jesus manifested to us, God really is. 
because in that, without that overwhelming awe, we can respond to the character of God, to the reality of God. And we can love God and be a loyal and choose to suspend our hammock from him too. When Jesus splits the skies, people will respond in two ways. There will be only two choices. And there won't be a choice. Your choices will have already been made today as we respond to that event of who Jesus is and what will we do with Jesus as Pontius Pilate asked. And based on the choices you've made today, when Jesus splits the skies, you will respond in love and wonder and thrill or in fear and horror and ask for the very rocks and mountains to cover you. Because that will be the end of the world. We've had this wonderful opportunity that light has come into the darkness. Our choice is now. Do we become part? Do we take that light? Do we become the sons of God and to carry that light into a context that we live in that we can be full of grace and truth and help others to see that we can be like Jesus, be sent by him? Or will we choose to remain in darkness, choose to paint over the Christ with an X and choose to, to gloss over with filling our mind and our, and, and our thoughts with all kinds of pressures and, and presence and, and, and problems and, and all kinds of things that will just fully occupy us, not to think about the big questions of when the end comes, whether it's for us personally or for the whole world at once. We can take the time This is supposed to be a time of quiet. It's supposed to be a time of reflection. It's supposed to be a time where we stop the busyness of life so that we can think about what has happened and where we're going and what's going on with our life. And if we are not intentional about pushing back the many pressures that society and everyone is placing on us, we will be swept along and not think and not be ready when that day comes. So let us remember the meaning of Christmas, the reason for the season, and choose to be like Jesus and bring him into the context that we live in. Was him number one hundred number one hundred and seventy-five. Just the first verse, one seventy-five. The first verse.
closing, I'd like to read a few verses found in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. This morning we heard a message of hope. There's such a tremendous need for hope in this world. And as we heard, there are many voices, many messages that we hear in the world offering some kind of hope, some kind of promise that would translate man from their current condition to some blissful condition, some paradise. But the hope that we read about here and that we spoke about, that Brother Edmund spoke about, is, is a living hope. It is a hope that we experience today when we take a step in faith, 
and choose to believe in the message that the Son of God came to dwell with man, that we may know God. And here it says that hope makes not ashamed, or in other words, hope doesn't lead us here on earth while we believe to a position where we find ourselves shameful or ashamed of God because he somehow has failed to meet his promises or to fulfill his word. We will not be disappointed if we have living hope today. And that living hope comes through experience when we make the first step of simply trusting God for who he is and the message of love that he proclaims. And here it says in verse 5, And hope makes not ashamed or will not disappoint us because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And in this living hope, in this condition that we make a choice to be in, God gives us a companion, part of himself, the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us and to reassure our hearts, to reassure our minds, and to fill our hearts with love of God's existence and of his faithfulness in his promises towards us. That is such an incredible experience, especially as we read here in verses that patience experience and experience hope there is great need for patience to wait upon God and to see his promises come to full term. This concludes our service. Amen.